Philippians chapter 3. I'm, I'm going to finish up the series that I started a couple of Sundays ago talking about simplifying my faith. How many of you know God is a good God? Did you know that? God is good. Uh, I was reminded this week of the goodness of God because he is a father. You know, my son Zane was here from Texas this past week celebrating my birthday. Uh, if you weren't here last Sunday, and you should have been, uh, but if you weren't here last Sunday, I did celebrate my 70th birthday, so I am now in midlife officially, I guess. Right in the middle, because I'm going for 120. So uh, so Zane and his boys and his wife, Olivia, they were all here. And my, uh, or Zane's oldest son, Wyatt, had this issue. I think it was on, uh, first it was Sunday morning. He walks in and he's got this Nintendo game that he's playing online. And he walks in and it gives him this update that says, if you want more characters, you have to buy more characters. How many have got kids or grandkids with Nintendos and they're wanting to buy, you know? And he looked at me and says, hey, Pops, what does this mean? And he can't read it yet. And I read it to him. And I said, that means your mommy or your daddy one has to buy this for you. And he said, oh. So the next morning, he gets up early. He's playing the game. Walks back over and says, Pops, what does this mean? I told him again, you're going to have to get somebody to buy this for you. And he said, oh, my mom and dad won't do that. And so it's funny, a little bit later, we're walking along outside, and he's carrying that Nintendo game. He looks up and says, Pops, I bet if I lived with you, you'd buy it for me. (laughs) And I said, yeah, yeah, because that's what grandpas do. So the last week, I've had a great time celebrating my birthday But how many of you don't want to hear any more personal stories? You're ready to get into God's Word. You ready for that? Let me begin today with two questions. We're talking about simplifying my faith. Sometimes we complicate faith. We get so many little rules and regulations and make it so difficult for people. I'm spending three weeks talking about things I've learned in my lifetime that can help you simplify your faith. Question number one. Have you ever accomplished something in life that was so great that you looked over your shoulder and you said, you know, I'm never going to do anything greater than that. And so you kind of face the rest of your life looking back at success and thinking, nothing left for me to do. I, I can't do anything more. You ever been there? Or how about the second question? Have you ever faced a situation that you knew was going to derail your entire life and maybe even destroy your future? You ever been there? One side is success, one side is is failure and setback. You see, we face these kind of situations in life. Paul addressed both of these things in Philippians chapter 3. Paul had been a successful religious leader among the Jews and the Pharisees. Very well known, very prominent man. But he was also known as a man who persecuted and helped kill Christians. He had seen some high highs on one hand before his change and conversion to Christ, but he had to live with those things as great failures as he moved forward. But Paul lived his life not allowing either his successes or his failures to define him and derail his future. And in the first part of this chapter, Philippians 3, Paul is writing about his life pre-conversion, before he met Christ, 
And if you don't know the story, he had an amazing conversion when he's traveling down this road going to Damascus and all of a sudden he hears a voice from heaven and this bright light blinds him and he falls to the ground and he begins to have a call and a conversation with Jesus. Totally changes the direction of his life and the purpose of his life. But as he writes about his life before he met Christ, he encourages us to trust God, not our own efforts, he tells us to keep living a life of faith, walking with God. And one of the things that Paul says in this passage of Scripture, and I want you to get this in your heart as we begin this morning. Paul said that he would gladly swap everything he'd ever accomplished and earned. He'd swap all of it in order to know God and to walk with God and enter into eternal life. So with this in mind, I want to pick up what Paul is saying. And I want you to look at three things in the next few verses. Philippians 3, verse number 12. Paul says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Everybody say press on. Paul said, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ has also laid hold of me. Paul says, I want to encourage you to follow my example and press on. It means keep pursuing. Don't stop pursuing what God has next for your life. Now, I want to pause here for just a moment because I want you to notice the words that Paul uses in this verse. He said, one day Christ reached down and he grabbed hold of me and got my attention and spoke truth and direction in my life and it changed my life. And he said, I want to take hold of the things for which Christ took hold of me. In the King James it says, I want to apprehend the things for which Christ apprehended me. What would happen if we lived life saying, God, I want to live for the things that you saved me for. I want to live my life to fulfill the things for which you grabbed me and took me out of sin. This new life you've given me. I want to live this life to the fullness to be everything you want me to be. Paul said we need to keep pressing on. You know, I think in simplicity, a life of faith is really about two things. Number one, it's about God and his purposes for my life. But it's also about me receiving God's blessings to fulfill those purposes. But sometimes we get so caught up, so focused on me. God, I want this, and God, I need that, and God, would you take care of that, and could you move my mother-in-law out of town, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Ooh, I really hit a sore spot down there somewhere. That guy's got both hands in the air. Hey, you know, first service was cool. Right in the middle of my message, all of a sudden, a woman starts screaming back there. I thought, man, she's having an encounter with God. She wasn't. She had a, an encounter with the tarantula sitting right back there. It was really, so everybody take a good look at the floor and make sure everything is okay. I'm, I'm up here thinking, oh, man, there must be a mouse in the house. And it wasn't even a mouse. It was just a tarantula. I don't know what all the noise was, but at any rate, oh, by the way, uh, speaking of mother-in-laws, do you know what the do you know what the punishment is for polygamy? It's two mother-in-laws. 
So whether you're a man or you're a woman, that ought to hit home today, okay? Let's leave that behind. Let's, let's get back into the Word, okay? See, we, we tend to live our lives focused on me and what we want and what we think God needs to do for us rather than realizing the life of faith begins with God's purposes for my life. And then His blessings come as I'm focused on those purposes. God wants all of us to focus on a purpose-filled life. God has called each of us to live a purpose-filled life. And if we'll walk with him and get to know him, he will walk us into a life that's filled with his purpose. You know, one of the things that I think is really healthy, and I, I, I try to live with this and keep it in front of me, I believe every day that I awake and I have breath in my lungs, there's purpose in that day. There's something that God wants in that day. And Paul says, you need to have an attitude that says, I'm going to press on and I'm going to grab the things that God's put in front of me. That's an attitude that brings us into that purpose-filled life. But I think Paul also invites us to walk away from complacency. Wow. Walk away from the attitude of, well, whatever happens, happens. God is not a God of accidents. He's a God of purpose. You may think there are things that happen by accident, but if you'll look closely, God's got purpose in those things. We need to live with a heart focused on God's purpose. You know, life with God is, is a life of challenge. It's also a life of victory if we'll keep pressing on to what God has put in front of us. When you look at the life of Jesus, really there's not much written about his life except the last three years. And yet that last three years, those three years of ministry, it's just jammed full of purpose. Because Jesus was focused upon his purpose, upon going to the cross and he worked and he worked and he pressed on and he pressed on and he taught and he worked miracles and he pressed on and he dealt with resistance and just kept pressing on until he got to the cross. And then after the cross, he ascended back to the Father, sat down at the right hand of God because he'd finished his purpose here on earth. But he lived with the attitude of, I'm going to press on to do everything God's called me to do. Years ago, when I was a young man, I... Heard about an older preacher. His name was Savell Phillips. Became a great friend of mine. He, he's now gone to be with the Lord. In my 30s and 40s, he became a dear, dear friend. And I watched that man up close. I had the opportunity to go to Africa with him and do some pastor's conferences. Through the years, I got to know him well. And he spent some time in our home and spent some time mentoring and speaking into my life. Now watch that man as he grew older and older and older. He might not have been known extremely well in all the states, but when you'd go to other countries overseas, there were hundreds of thousands of people who admired that man because he touched their lives. He built churches. He built schools all over the world. And when he passed away, he already had several Bible translation projects going that he was funding and sponsoring. And I watched him go, even as his health broke, and he went on and on and pressed on and on and on. And to the day he died, he still had things in front of him that he was reaching out to accomplish. That's the kind of life I want to live, a life of purpose where we press on and do everything 
God has called us to do. Press on. Keep pressing on. Second thing, look at Philippians 3.13. Paul goes on to say, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead or those things which are in front of me. Wouldn't it be great to, <coughs> pardon me, wouldn't it be great to sit down with the Apostle Paul and say, hey, can I ask you a few questions? Have you ever thought it'd be cool to sit down with some Bible characters and ask them about things that weren't written and what they went through and how they dealt with those things? The Apostle Paul, he dealt with so many things. And I think it'd be cool to sit down and say, hey, Paul, what was the one thing that you live with above all else in life? And I think Paul would probably say, well, I already wrote it down for you in Philippians 3. Paul said, this one thing I do. Just one thing. How many of you could take one thing home today? Let me see your hand. You think, why? I can take one thing home today. Okay, here's the interesting thing. Paul gave us two things that make up the one thing. He said, one thing I do. I forget what's behind so I can reach for what's in front of me. And I want to take those two things and I want to break them apart for a few minutes. Because we struggle with the concept of forgetting and filing away the things that happen in life. I want to go back to the two questions I asked at the beginning of this message. And I want to ask you, what's behind you? What's behind you? What are the things that you need to forget about today? You see, in this context, the word forgetting means to neglect something until you lose it out of your mind, and it just doesn't matter anymore. It's not important. It's behind you. It's done. It's filed away. It's over with, and it's gone. So first of all today, I want to talk to you. How do you properly deal with success? One of the things I learned early in ministry is Christian leaders know how to deal with failure but they don't always do so well with success because it goes up between the ears. We begin to think, look what I have done. How do you deal with success? I asked a question earlier. Have you accomplished some great things in life? I'm sure there are people in this room who look over their shoulder and say, man, I've lived a pretty good life. Look at all I've done. I'm, I've kindly, I, I'm arrived. I'm here. Man, I, I, I don't need to do anything else. How do you properly deal with success? Let me give you some thoughts. Number one, give God credit for your success. It's amazing how many of us, when things go wrong, we want to blame God. But when things go right, look at me. Look what I've done. If I'm going to properly deal with success, I've got to learn to give God the credit, and then I've got to learn to use that success for God's purposes. That I don't stop in life and say, look what I've done, look what I've got. Instead, I look forward and say, what can I do with what God has blessed me with? We've got to learn to properly deal with success. Another thing I think is important, when we've had great success... We need to learn to trust God and believe God that we can do greater things in the future, more important things, bigger things in the future. 
that we not settle and say, okay, I've done enough. No, 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 no. God's never finished with us. He's always working. Paul said, I don't consider myself to, to have apprehended. I've got, got a hold of everything yet, but I live pressing on and I live moving forward and I keep reaching ahead because God keeps putting things in front of me and I don't want to let any of those things fall to the ground. But not only that, I also think we need to come to the place where we ask God, what's next? What do you have for me to do now? And thank God for the victories behind us, but turn loose of it and reach for the next challenges he puts in front of our faces because God is never finished working in me, on me, and through me. He's just never finished. Never finished. He never stops. There's a story in the New Testament where Jesus one day goes up on this mountain with Peter, James, and John. And I know we can't get our minds around this, but Scripture says he's transfigured before them. Suddenly they see him not as the Son of Man, but they see him as the Son of God. He's transfigured and they see him as God and the Son of God. And all of a sudden they're just in awe of this. And Moses and Elijah shows up and they're having this conversation And as soon as things start getting quiet again, Peter speaks up and says, oh, Jesus, we just need to build tabernacles here. One for you, one for Moses. We just need to do all, we need to stay right here and just spend our time right here. All of a sudden, there's a voice from heaven that says, this is my son, hear ye him. In other words, Peter, be quiet, be quiet. You're about to ruin the moment. Because that's what we like to do as human beings. We like to take our successes and build tabernacles and build monuments and say, look what we have done. Not realizing that we're not finished yet. We need to ask God what's next. And then we need to start reaching forward to what's next for our lives. So build on those victories. But then let me turn it over. What's behind you? Maybe, maybe it's not success. Maybe it's failure. Maybe it's loss. Maybe a lot of pain. How do I deal with defeats? Maybe it's something family members did to you when you were young or neighbors. Maybe it's a failed marriage. Maybe it's a failed business. Maybe it's a failure where someone came to you and attacked you when you didn't think you deserved it. And as a result, you lost friends over it. Maybe even family members. And you're beaten down and you're hurt and you're broken. You say, what do I do with this failure? What do I do with this pain? I think I touched on it last week for a moment. We've all had some of those moments. What do we do when life falls apart? Let me give you some thoughts. First of all, take responsibility for your part. This is good. If you go to a 12-step program, the first thing they're going to tell you is stop living in denial. Whatever you did in the situation, own it and deal with it. What's quiet in here this morning? I thought this, everybody may be excited about this part. Take responsibility for your failures and your part in what's happened. Don't live in denial. 
Don't start playing the blame game, blaming other people and blaming God. Instead, take your responsibility for what happened. Second thing, settle unresolved issues with God. See, I've learned sometimes in victories and success, but especially in failures, times of pain, we get attitudes that tend to separate us from God because we get angry that God doesn't fix everything for us. And as a result, we stop talking to God. and Sometimes we stop walking with God. We get down the road and life isn't going where we need it to go because we've got unresolved issues with God. You know, one of the best things that can ever happen when you've got pain in your life is to go to God and spread it out and say, God, here's my part. And I felt like you did this, and I want you to know I'm sorry for holding this against you. I want my heart to be right with you. We need to settle those unresolved issues, those misunderstandings with God. And the next thing we need to do is, to the best of our ability, we need to settle unresolved issues with people. I know there's some people you cannot reason with them. I know some people are going to stay angry forever and you can't deal with it. I know that. But sometimes, just a conversation that says, look, I just want you to know with all that happened, if I hurt you and wronged you, I'm sorry. It's amazing how that will open a door for conversation. Just taking your part and beginning to take steps to start rebuilding relationships with people where there's been brokenness. And then one other thing. When I was a young preacher, I pastored a church, first church I pastored. And uh, there were like six people in that church. It was a great church, but there were six people in that church. They were somehow related to the devil. I'm not sure how it was. <laughs> some were brothers, some were sisters, I think. One of them might have been Beelzebub. I'm not sure. But man, there were some nasty people in that church, nasty people. And boy, they ripped at me and shredded on me and they hurt me so bad without cause. And I remember one day going out in my backyard and saying, God, I've had enough of this. And I go to the grocery store and I hope I don't run into them. You know, I go to church and I hope I don't come face to face in the hallway. I preach a message and I look at them and I tell them, you're going to hell because of the way you treated me. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. I didn't do that. I'm kidding. But my heart was hurt. So one day I got out in my backyard and I didn't have a shovel. Wasn't physical, but it was very spiritual. I began to pray and I dug a great big hole and I said, God, I'm not carrying them around anymore. I'm not gonna hurt over them anymore. I'm gonna throw them in this hole. I'm gonna cover them up. I'm gonna put a tombstone on this grave. I'm gonna walk away from it because I'm not gonna let this define my future. Friend, let me tell you something. There comes a time when you need to bury the things that are dead and walk away and leave them there. Leave them there. Mark the grave and reach forward to what God has for you. There's a story in the Old Testament about Joseph. And in a nutshell, God, when Joseph was very young, made some big promises to him. And Joseph, being young, had several older brothers and he didn't know how to carry these dreams and these promises God made. So he began to tell the brothers how they were all going to worship him and bow down to him someday. And they hated him and they resented him. Until one day, they got him away from home and they decided first we're going to kill him. They put him in a hole. 
But then along came this caravan. They sold their own brother into slavery. Joseph was carried off into Egypt. The next thing you know, he's working in a guy's house. He's having such success, the guy makes him the ruler of his house and all of his business. Then he resists the temptation of the guy's wife. She lies about him again. He winds up in prison. From the hole to slavery to the prison, it seems like everything he does, it goes wrong. But he keeps reaching forward, knowing that God had made promises to him. And in one day, Joseph goes from the penitentiary to the penthouse. He goes from the jail to the throne. Suddenly, he's second in command over all the nation of Egypt, which at that time was the greatest empire on the face of the earth. And when you get to the end of Joseph's life, you see a couple things. One thing is, Joseph later told his brothers, what you did, you meant it for evil. But God turned it all to good. Let me tell you something. If you'll trust God, I don't care what people do to you. God will turn it to good. But you've got to turn loose of it, let it go, and start moving forward where God wants you to go. Amen. The second thing you see is Joseph married a woman, began to have a family. He had two sons. The first son he named Manasseh, which means to forget. He said, God made me forget all my toil and all that happened in my father's house. You see, God didn't make him forget the events. God took away the pain of those moments. I'm going to tell you today, God's a healer of broken hearts. No matter what's happened to you, if you'll walk this out with God, he'll bring healing to your heart, and you can walk away from that. And Joseph's second son, he named Ephraim, which means blessing. When we turn loose of the pain of the past, God brings healing and blessing into our lives. God will set you on the course where you can reach forward and stop living with days gone by. That's the God that we serve. The other part of this, Paul said, let's forget what's behind so we can reach for what's in front of us. In the scriptures, it's translated, reach for what's ahead. But it literally means for what's right in front of us. Did you know today, no matter who you are and where you've been, God's dropped some things right in front of you and you may not know it. Because when we're living, holding on to the past, we can't see what's in front of us. When we're living life, looking in the rearview mirror, we don't know what's coming up in the road next. And sometimes we get so knocked off of our paths because we're not looking where God wants us to go. We're so blinded by the past, we can't see what's obviously right in front of us. And you know, I think maybe what Paul is saying here is, I forget what's behind me so I can see and reach forward to what's in front of me. God wants us to keep reaching forward. And that requires faith. It requires action. Boy, if you've been hurt bad or you're all stacked up in your success, all you want to do is sit there and enjoy it or sit there and cry. Faith promotes action moving forward to what God has put in front of us. And I've been saying this for years. 
You can't reach for what's in front of you while you're holding on to what's behind you. You can't do both. Forget it. Turn loose of it and reach for what God has next. Last thing, last little point. <clears throat> Verse 14. Paul said, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. I press towards the goal. I press towards the goal. It means to pursue. Pursue the goal. The question is, what is the goal? This is the last part of my message, and I want you to listen really closely the next five minutes because I'm going to show you some things that are ultimately important if you want to simplify your faith. Every one of us should share this common goal. It's the goal that Paul lived with. The goal should be to know God, to walk with God, and to live God's life of purpose. To know God, to walk through life with God, and to live a life of purpose. That's the goal we need to be pursuing. To know God, to walk with God, to live the life of purpose he has for us. That's the goal. You see, Paul poured his entire life into that pursuit. And here's the deal. If we will press toward the goal, we will receive the prize. I'm almost done, so stay with me. If we'll press towards that goal to know God, to walk with God, to live a life of purpose, if we hit that goal, we will receive the prize. You know what the prize is? To stand before God when this life is over and hear him say, well done. That's what I live for. That's what Paul lived for. I'm going to make a connection, so stay with me. The one thing I want above all else in life is when my life is done, my first desire is to hear Jesus say, good job, Gary. You didn't stop. You kept reaching. You pressed on. You hit the mark. Good job. Well done. But notice this. Paul didn't say press toward the prize. He said press toward the goal. Now I'm going to say something really profound. Some of you won't catch this maybe, but this, this is deep. This is, if, you're, if you went to school back in the 60s and 70s, this is heavy. I want you to hear this, okay? Paul didn't say press for the prize. He said press for the goal. One of the reasons we have so many complacent Christians who do nothing for God is because all they're doing is sitting around waiting for the prize. Well, if I can just get out of this nasty old world, this dirty old place, if I can just get, Jesus, will you hurry up and come back and get me out of here? I just want to get up there to heaven Well, I'll be happy and won't have any more problems. That's not the goal. That's the prize. The goal is to know God, to walk with God, and live a life of purpose. 
and, and hang on. Hang on. If we'll hit the goal, we get the prize of eternal life. Paul said, I'm going to experience the resurrection of the dead. I'm going to live forever with Christ, but I'm not finished yet. I haven't totally hit the goal. Because as long as I'm alive, God has something else in front of me. Can you imagine an Olympic runner running in a marathon, you know, running around that big track, making all those circles. <laughs> He's got all those laps behind him. And all of a sudden, he turns the corner and he heads into the last sprint. And there's the mark, there's the goal, there's the finish line. And all of a sudden, he looks over to the right and he sees the stand where they're handing out the medals. And he takes off and leaves the track, even though he's in first place, leaves the track to run over to get his prize because all he wanted was the medal. That'd be kind of dumb, wouldn't it? Be kind of foolish. But yet, sometimes that's how we as believers live. We want the prize and we're running that direction instead of finishing our race and hitting the mark, the goal. To know God, to walk through life with God, and to live a life of purpose. So I want to ask you, ask yourself the question, what does my life look like today? Am I, am I pursuing God? Am I striving to know God? Am I walking with Him? Am I living a life of purpose? See, if I press toward the goal, I'll win the prize. Then the last thing, verses 15 and 16. My time is gone. i got to finish fast. Paul says this, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. In other words, as you've listened to this today, if there's an area of your life that's not aligned properly, the Holy Spirit speaking to you, not me. The Spirit of God speaking to you. Verse 16, he said this, says this, Nevertheless, to the degree we've already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. I'm going to close with this. It'd be interesting today if I were to ask the question and ask you to raise your hands, how many of you consider yourself to be a mature Christian? It'd be interesting to see the hands that would go up. Because here's what Paul said. He said, mature Christians understand this and they live by this day after day after day. I want to know God. I want to walk with God. I want to live a life of purpose. And when life is over, I'll hear him say, well done. That's what maturity does. So I want to come back to the question I started with. What stops you? What's happened in the past, good or bad? What keeps you from reaching forward? What are you choosing to hold on to rather than forgetting? What keeps you from reaching forward to what God's put in front of you? I want us to deal with that today. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want to pray for you.
Holy Spirit speaking to you, I want you to just open your heart and receive what, what God is doing. Father, in Jesus' name, in this house right now, there are people who've been stopped by victories and think there's no more. I ask that you'd release them from those things today. They're stuck because of their success and they're taking credit for it and they need to release it and start reaching for more things ahead. Release them today. Give them vision for the future. And Father, there are some people here who are hurt deeply, who've never figured out how can I go forward from here. We've talked about the steps in moving forward in this message. God, I pray right now that we'd have a determination in our heart that says, I'm not staying here anymore, any longer. I'm not going to live a life of mourning. I'm not going to live a life that's stuck in neutral or park. I'm going to release what's behind. I'm going to turn my head around and I'm going to reach for what's ahead because God's going to release me today in Jesus' name. Father, give us that determination in our hearts. While heads are bowed, one more prayer I want to pray. Maybe you've listened to this today and you say, you know, I don't even know God. I need God. I, I want to live a purposeful life. I, I don't want to live stuck. I don't want to reach the end of this journey and not know God. Maybe something in your heart's turning over and you're saying, I want God today in my life. I want to lead you to prayer that begins that process. See, God put his own son on the cross to pay for my sins and your sins. That what kept us away from God, we'd be moved out of the way. When we put our faith in Jesus, we're cleansed of what's behind us. God wants to start that work in your life today if you just open your heart to him. I want to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to wrap your heart, wrap your faith around these words as I pray. God, I need you. And I come to you today and I ask forgiveness. Forgive me for walking away from you. Forgive me from, from doubting you and choosing the wrong path. Today I come to you and I believe Jesus died for my sins. You raised him from the dead. He lives eternally. Now I want to know the life. I want to experience the life that Jesus paid for. I want you to be my father and I want to be your child. I ask you to teach me your ways so I can know you and walk with you and live a life of purpose. I accept Jesus as my savior. I choose him to become the Lord of my life. Teach me, and I'll follow you. In Jesus' name I ask this. Amen. Amen. Okay, last little thing before we're finished. If you prayed that prayer today, you wrapped your heart around those words. It's not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. God heard the prayer. He's going to respond to it. You're going to see his hand begin to work in your life. We want to help you start that journey. We've got a little booklet called The Next Seven Days. It's our free gift to you. When service is over, we want to give it to you. Two ways you can get it. Number one, there'll be prayer teams at the front of the building. Just walk up to one of those teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you right there. No strings attached. If you've got questions, you want prayer for something, they can help you. If you just want to get it, go, that's fine. We want to help you get started walking with God. The other thing is, if you're in a big rush, out in the lobby, right in the middle of the glass doors, there's a counter set up there. You'll see the screen next seven days. Just stop by there and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you there just the same. We want you to know God loves you, we love you, and we want you to get started walking with him. Can we put our hands together and welcome new believers into God's family?
Have you enjoyed being in church today? Amen. Hey, God bless you. I love you. Have a great, great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.